0: I come to Jerusalem, said Menachem Begin. There the sky is blue, and memory becomes clear. Well, I have the great blessing to be in Jerusalem almost every day. And not only is my memory clear, but I can tell you, the sky is the limit. I'm Rob Mike Foyer, and this is The Jewish Story. (laughs) Season 5, Interlude, Interview with Rob Aaron Leibowitz on Jerusalem. So I'm sitting here with Rav Arn Leibowitz, former member of the Jerusalem City Council, presently rabbi of the Anit Filah community here in Jerusalem, social religious activists with organizations that he's founded like uh, Hashkach Pratit, the private kashrut industry that's made amazing waves here in not just Jerusalem, but the country as a whole, and Chupot, offering uh, Chupah and Kedushin to all of Am Yisrael in ways in which the Rabbanut is not, let's just say, willing or able and uh, also happens to be a teacher and dear friend from my back in my Sula. Yakov days, Rav Aron. it's been too long. It's been way too long. I'm sitting here with microphones.
1: Yeah, uh, it brings back... Across, another brings back a really fun, beautiful memory. For
0: folks who don't know, we have a whole series called Rabbis Out of the Box. You can actually write me an email, ravmikeforia at gmail.com. I'll share the links with you because it's not so easy to find out there in the, uh, the universe of content. So I'm so excited in honor of Jerusalem Day. There are very few people that I could think of who could really engage on the two pieces that are most pressing in my eyes when it comes to Jerusalem today? And that is the Torah and the present. What do I mean? We were speaking before we started about one of my favorite folks growing up was Once and Future King, right? The fictionalized, I guess they're all fictionalized, story of the Arthurian legend, but fictionalized for like children. And when I think of that idea, once and future king. Right? There's the legend of the past. There's the great messianic expectation of the future. I often think of Jerusalem in that way. It's the once and future city. You start talking Torah with people, whoa, what happened during the first temple, the second temple, or whoa, when the Messiah comes, let it be soon, let it be now. But very few people can bring the Torah together with Jerusalem today. And that's really something I've always respected in you. Um, it's something I'm looking to to explore with me right now. But before we do, I just want to ask a simple personal question. You've been living here for quite some time. What does Jerusalem mean to you, past, present, or future?
1: Well, first of all, one of the things I've discovered about myself is that, and it was a little bit surprising to discover that I'm really an urban, I'm an urbanite. Mm. I love living in the city, and I love living in hearts of cities. I love cities in general. You know, I grew up in Berkeley, but but I've always, you know, go, when, when I would go to the city, which is San Francisco, for anyone who lives in the Bay Area, uh, something would come alive, and um, I still love kicking around Manhattan when I'm traveling on business, and I think that my first encounters with Yerushalayim were very much grounded in in the fact that, you know, my, my Eliyai, I came to Israel as a teenager. Um, we came to we came to Netanya, and then we lived in Kfar Saba, and I would come to Yerushalayim, and there was something very vibrant um, and very alive, and I might be... One of the few people, who, when you ask them what they fell fell in love with in Jerusalem, they don't start with the holiness, but they start with the fact that it's a city. It's a very intense city, and it's I think part of what lends it the intensity is the history, and is the holiness, and is the current events um, that energize so much of what happens here. But, but I think that um, the bottom line is is that what I love what I love about Jerusalem still in the day to day. You know the Kotel is so strong for me, and I, and I and I it's such a blessing to be able to go to the Kotel. But the but the heart of my day to day experience of Yerushalayim is Machana Yehuda. It's it's the market, mm. and it's it's um, the experience of um, the, 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 the the combination of people, the interactions between people, the uh, the commerce, which is kind of the blood uh, the, the the blood energy of any of any urban environment, the commerce and the interaction around the commerce and um, and the unique flavor of of what's um this kind of anthropological work of art that the people who live in this city have have
0: forged over the course of the decades that we've returned that we've returned in that's a beautiful phrase anthropological work of art. here in that both a vibrancy like you said life just you know people and and, and flowing. I, I live a much more suburban existence than you do i always have that feeling of the buzz when you come into jerusalem but there's there's something deeper in that in that somehow there's a tapestry which is being put together, I hear, in that life, which is expressive of the holy. And I think that in many ways, for me, that's what is so powerful about Jerusalem. Is it's not an either-or. It's it's not meant to be a place of dichotomies, where the holy is over there, and the profane stays over here, and never the sh- two shall meet. You know, I remember when the Mamila Mall opened up, which if people aren't familiar, it's, a, it's like a very high-end, open-air mall that butts right up the jotha gate at first it was a little uneasy i have to admit like the commercialism the barbarians are at the gates i think i might have even said to my wife um but the more i go there the more i realize on some level it's a fulfillment of the vision of the prophets that the sacred and the mundane should join together to build a city so i i hear that a follow-up question because it's someone who's been involved even in the level of commerce, I mean, the Kashrut industry, you know, is is a, about as commercial as it gets in this town. Um, yeah. What do you feel has been your greatest act of service toward this city?
1: That's a really difficult question to answer, because, or at least uh, to provide one answer to. Okay, go. I, I think that um, I think that I was really I was really given this tremendous gift. Of two and a half years on Jerusalem City Council, mm-hmm. um, and in, in some ways it was a gift—a gift horse, <laughs> <laughs> because the havoc, because you should have looked it in the mouth. <laughs> the havoc that it wrought on my uh, on my family life and my communal life. I all the period; it was and not my simple. Torah study was just—it was like a train wreck. Um, um, but call at, it the it time, at the same time, at the same time, it was really uh, it, th- there was a side of it which was a gift because I was blessed to. To um, to kind of midwife three new schools um in this city, which serve um, kind of alternative educational communities, um, right. the, uh, you know, a, a, a democratic, um, al- um, experimental, orthodox, um, elementary school, which, and, uh, and a and a men's high school under the auspices of Pelech, which was formed as a as a women's high school, and identifying right. that there are things. Mm-hmm and um and also there's a yeshiva high school here in Jerusalem called Hartman, which has a whole gender stream mm-hmm. um you know and a yeshiva high school for men which has a a a, a a a gender program an advanced gender program for gender awareness the, now these were really um um very um very special privileges and 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 I think that that's that that's one thing which I would say is that having Having the education portfolio during those two and a half years, which were very formative years, and being able to um, to um, kind of bring to fruition seeds which had been planted before I before I got the ball, but being able to see them through, which sometimes is actually the larger challenge, um, well, was uh, was was great. Um, I
0: just want to respond really quickly, and I'll let you get the others. Is that I will never forget that as my teacher, and also working together as the. Program Director, when you were Rosh Hashiva, you always said to me that education was about building the context. It's about facilitating people by building the context for them to learn and grow. So it doesn't surprise me at all that that, that speaks to you as such an act of service.
1: Yeah, I think creating an environment for growth is, is, um, is really the key. Um, and then next to that, I would say the work in Kashrut, which, which was really a national project, but changing the game around kosher food um, and having the opportunity to build relationships with the owners of restaurants and cafes, because you know if you want to really get the pulse of a city, so you know there's the cabbies, yep, and there's the barbers, <laughs> yep, but also the food industry are, are 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 really right at right at the heart of um, of um, whether the economy of a city is is, is That's healthy. Daily living, yeah, daily living, and it's bread and butter, literally. Yeah, literally. <laughs> And, um, and and getting to know and and some of these restaurants were the most were, were some of the most successful restaurants and they were also some of the most cutting edge in that they were willing to go, to go out on a limb and and place a bet on a, a subversive Kashrut agency, which were...
0: <laughs> you think of yourself as a subversive. I know that. Well, I grew up in Berkeley, so... Yes. They, you know, the, <laughs> if you weren't a subversive, you would have been abnormal.
1: Well, it took about 30 years for the Berkeley to come out, but uh, but eventually it did. <laughs> um, you could take the boy out the, of Berkeley. <laughs> And, um, but that was really, that was really a privilege and, 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 you know, so the game has changed and, and, we, you know, in five short years, we really changed the the equations in Kashrut, but, but also it was, it, it's not coincidental that what we did was born here in Yerushalayim because mm. the, um, a very special blend of, of holy and, and mundane in the city, as you pointed out, and, um, and the Kashrut work really touched on that and, um. I don't think that that what we did could have been could have been born anywhere else because when you're building when you're building a a, a product like a kosher symbol like a kosher supervision, you need to have a community. You need to have 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 uh, customers sure. and, um, people and, and, and people who look to you, people who trust you, and and, and 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 um, you know, Jerusalem is a very strong moderate Orthodox uh, presence, probably more than any place else in the city. Um, a kind of a spectrum of identities. Um,
0: and um, and a very out of the box kind of uh, kind of dynamic. Fantastic. Now I want to pivot a little bit from the personal to the historical, because of course, um, the immediate impetus—I say immediate, right—for getting together is um this upcoming Yom Yerushalayim, Jerusalem Day. You know, on the 28th of ER, the parachuters come through Lions Gate right, up onto the Temple Mount, Har Abayit Bi the Temple Mount is our hands. There's a military victory, a liberation of half of Jerusalem. But what do you think actually changed on that day for Am Yisrael and for the world?
1: So, so it's interesting, you know, I think, I think um, it was about 15 years ago, uh, preparing a drasha for Yom Yerushalayim for my first troll in this, in this city, Kol Rina. That, that it occurred to me that. Um, well, I'll back up a step. I, a, f- a friend of mine, uh, Bernas Sullivan, amazing uh, uh, tour guide, ex- an, an archaeologist, Croatian yeah, really tour guide, right? Yeah. Um, and um, so he tells a story about how he was in a taxi cab and, they, and he, told the, he told the driver, you know, I just bought a house in Eretz Yisrael. I'm so happy. I just signed about it. And the taxi driver said to him, you don't buy a house in Eretz Israel you merit a house in Eretz Yisrael. That's bike. a good answer. <laughs> and, um, yeah, like we said, the cabbies, so they get it. Yeah, <laughs> they got it. So um, so what occurred to me was that really what happened on that day in Yom Yerushalayim, was not that we conquered um, the um, the old city and um, or reconquered, however you want to turn, you know, turn, um, term what happened? But we merited it, and 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 what what came up for me was that something, and this has to do with how I understand what's what's going on also in Tanakh or in Yerushalayim and, and 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 mostly around the the, the the persona of David, of King David, um, the. To me, the, the, something happened at that moment that the entire Jewish people were focused on one thing and that was the survival of the state of Israel. Mm. And for me, what, what, what um, Har Harabait, what, what that location, the Kotel and the Temple Mount, what they represent more than anything else is a sense of unity. And it, what occurred to me is, is it possible that there was, a unifi- there was a unification of awareness and of knowledge within the Jewish people that made it all of a sudden possible for us to draw closer to that to that uh, that point in geography
0: which where we're heaven and earth touch, wow, uh, this is opening up for me a completely different perspective I mean you're well familiar with this idea from from Auschwitz to Jerusalem, right this relationship between the the Khurban, the destruction of a third of our people in uh, you know the late 30s and early, in mid 40s to less than twenty years later you know, return to Jerusalem and there's many ways. Greenberg speak about etc. but what you just said made such absolute sense is that the horror of the Holocaust made the possibility of a second tragedy in 67 so real that it was enough to wipe away the divisions, which God bless Am Israel are always there. It was enough to wipe away those divisions and think about it for just a brief period. And in such, there was a moment of unity by which we merited, as you say, as opposed to conquering or acquiring we merited to come that much closer to the fullness of Jerusalem.
1: Wow! Yeah, and that for me is very significant because for me it points to where we have to be invested if we want to draw even closer to, to, Same to, to our vision. The work, the work of 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 healing the the rifts, finding the common ground, and um, I don't think it's coincidental that the the entire the entire Western world and probably much of the world right now are faced with. With um, the challenges of polarization and um, and um, and alienation of different, you know, the 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 right and left wings of society, Um, you know, that's uh, that question of how do you bring how do you bring um, opposites together, or how do you identify the common ground um, that that they share? And I think that that there's tremendous common ground that 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 we share, and but uncovering that common ground and, and bringing ourselves full circle to the core values that, that, that are driving us into the places where, where, um, where synergy can be created and also the place where we can identify the contribution of the, um, of the antithesis, star thesis. Yeah. Um, you know, to me, the, the, that work is the work of, of, of building Yerushalayim. That, that the, there is no difference. It's a, to some extent, Yerushalayim will be built and is being built. To the extent that that we're able to address that, and I would say, and then the other side of that coin is, and this is something which became very clear to me when i was when I was involved in, in local politics. Um, I still am involved, but not not as an elected official, as a, as a voter, and as a community community activist. It's so clear to me that this city, which is. Um, is so has been so uh, sought sought after and fought for throughout history, and has had so many different uh, rule, rulers and, uh, and and ruling nations, empires, and ca- empires. A dozen. That's right. So, th- this city um, has within it so many of the um, of of those schisms that are challenging the world today, mm. between religious and secular, between Islam and uh, and the world. Between Palestinians and Israelis, um, and um, you know, even to some extent, um, uh, the question of how two ha- a divided city between two halves as a, as a challenge distinct from what it is that separates them. But how do you create a municipal structure which can create a, a, a shared vision when you have two di- to a dichotomy of 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 of, of, of populace? Um, These these challenges are. Like, Jerusalem is a microcosm of some of the biggest challenges the world faces, and when I read in the Nevi'im, Hashem this, this I used to say as a city council member, like might these challenges that the city faces not be there for us to bring a message to the world of how 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 we can
0: bring something like this together? It's, it's a powerful image because we're we're used to and even referenced before saying that the place where heaven and earth meet, and I certainly hold that fast in my heart, but. Something I heard you add there is it's a place where schisms meet, which is a fascinating notion because we don't think of schisms as meeting. Right? <laughs> the schism is where things divide. But what you're pointing out is there's an incredible intersection of division that comes into a city who at its heart, as you said, is about unity. And that itself, I think, is an excellent sort of bridge to the next question I wanted to ask you, which is that I'm troubled by this day by Yomi First of all, when I came here as a starry-eyed immigrant, it was great. Right. And and, 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 and all the, the kids out in the white shirts and the blue and the flags. And the, and I live in a community, the religious Zionist community, which is the only community within Israel that marks the day with any consistent, you know, um, practice. It's something I wasn't aware of then. The more I've learned, the more I've seen that for most people, this day is nothing. And then even for my own community, the religious Zionist community has become a, a, a troubling day in and of itself. Without getting into the question of whether, you know, the, the flag march, which if people aren't familiar, there's a traditional march down through the Arab quarter, right, through the heart of It's in a classic assertion of sovereignty in a way in which always makes me wonder whether the lady doth protest too much. And if there's only one day a year that you feel comfortable, you know, you and your thousand friends walking down this path, perhaps sovereignty is a bit of an illusion. We could talk about that some other time, but... Even now, we're getting threats from Hamas that if the Jews go, then we, last year we had almost a war, if you recall. There were missiles. So obviously the day has a power. It's, it's bearing a, a deep valence. What I would say is, is, what can we do practically to make this day more of what it could be? What would you say as a, as a, as a leader of a shul, as a, as a community leader? People listening, they want to do something. What's something people can do practically? This coming Yom Yerushalayim. I find,
1: I find, I'm very moved by a by a prayer service which takes place every year in the in the first station here in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. between um, different religious leaders, uh, including Islam and Christianity and Judaism, and it's a prayer for Jerusalem, and mm. it it doesn't take place on Yom Yerushalayim itself. It takes place the week before Yom Yerushalayim. This week it will be on um, Thursday night. Huh? And I was actually invited to be an active participant, and and um, because my my son is getting married next week, <laughs> I had to uh, some stuff on your plate. I was glad you made time for me. <laughs> I had to, uh, yeah. So so I so I will not be participating actively, but it's it's to me that's that's a very, and it's it's the the prime driver of that is Rabbi Tamar Elad Applebaum, the rabbi of the, of the Tzion uh, community, which I think are affiliated with the Conservative movement. But she's always careful to have Orthodox rabbinic voices um, present, and to me, that you know, the fact that this city has 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 holiness, which is present for all the religions, I think provides a challenge, but also an opportunity. Mm. And um, and when we talk, you know, when I spoke before about about the things that are shared between between polar opposites, I think there are core values. That all the Abrahamic traditions and really all spiritual religious um, traditions in the in, in, in the human uh, landscape um, share, and I and I and I and I repeat core values, not not secondary values. Uh-huh. That's not to say that there are not differences and significant differences, schisms even, um, schisms even. But I think I think I think connecting and finding time around those core values. Is, is very is, is very powerful because I, I do not imagine that a time will come when Jerusalem will cease to have significance to Christians or Muslims just as I don't imagine a time will come where where, where Christian Christianity and Islam will not continue to have their own unique teachings and gifts that they brought to, to humanity um, you know if uh, if I have a vision of a messianic vision, um, of Of awareness of God surrounding the world it is still one which may, which 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 has diversity and 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 complexity and nuance um and so so for me that 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 would be one thing is 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 and and i think that in addition to having having um the um the different the different religions mean i think it 's very important to connect am amisrael to this to this city and mm-hmm. and i think the way you connect am Yisrael to the city are to connect them to one another um you know, um, I spoke at the uh, in the beginning of our conversation. I spoke about the urban element and things. And really, what is a city? And I, th- I, th- I think the question of what is a city is relevant to understanding Jerusalem because Jerusalem is ir HaKodesh. Yes, um, we don't speak about only about the Temple Mount as being holy. We speak no, about a holy, holy city. city, and we even pray for the restoration of the holy city, distinct from from the, the Temple, Temple Mount, from, distinct yeah. from the Temple Mount, which yeah. means that that. In, in, in the divine vision that the Torah has, um, the urban experience has what to offer holiness, and holiness has what to offer the urban experience. And I think what's unique about a city as opposed to a village or a kibbutz or a kfar, what's unique about a city is its diversity. That's first and foremost what a city is. is a complex organism. That's right. And, and, and different neighborhoods and different communities and all different types, and, you know, and, and creating an identity out, out of that. Hmm. So, so it, it, it could be nothing else. In other words, the Temple Mount could not be somewhere else if the Temple Mount is, is an expression of unity. It had to be within a city because that is what the municipal project in, in, in humanity, I think, is about. So, so I don't even know if it means connecting them to Yerushalayim doesn't necessarily mean connecting them to Yerushalayim. It could mean discovering the Yerushalayim in their own city, Discovering the diversity diversity in their own city, discovering how how um, there's uni- a united vision, and how is it that somehow um, all the cities uh, in Israel and all the cities in the world have 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 some kind of sense of this kind of uh, um, archetypical city, this Ira Kodesh, which is a
0: model which 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 offers something something holy and something unique. So it's a day for those who aren't able to walk the streets of Jerusalem to really find. A moment or some energy to build or at least strengthen the vessels that hold the pieces together, especially in what I hear you saying—the ones that hold them together in a way in which their difference actually contributes, as opposed to demanding that they become homogenized in order to make some very stable, peaceful place. That the peace of Jerusalem is dynamic, a uh, hundred
1: percent—that it's dynamic and that and that boundaries, boundaries maintain mm-hmm. um, identity, and because of that, they're very crucial. But also knowing how 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 to um strategically dissolve those boundaries and 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 connect mm. despite despite those, the, the 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 boundaries i think is is a um is a really precious
0: um learning and, and endeavor for us right now so in, in many ways we have actually answered my next question but nonetheless i i feel like i want to pose it anyway because i'm working with the the past, present, future model here. And you know, I'm, I'm all about structures. I can't give up on that. Um, which is that I wanted to ask you what you think that the gift Jerusalem has to offer to the world might be. I mean, you quoted Isaiah early, Ki Kimi Tzion Torah, right? out of Jerusalem comes Torah. I mean, there are all those images there also in the beginning of Isaiah, the nations flowing together into Jerusalem. And there, there's some sense that Jerusalem has something to offer everyone. So what would you say that the great gift Jerusalem has to offer our world today
1: i think that first of all the world is very much in need of a um of a um renaissance in the area of holiness Mm. and um and what would that look like well when i say holiness i mean holiness as as something which is um which somehow has to also transcend any kind of particular narrative about God and perhaps even a requirement of belief in God in order to touch upon, in, in order to touch, to touch upon. I think that you know one of the things that that's, that's really amazing is to talk about, is, is if you talk to people who don't, don't believe in God, secular Israelis about what Yerushalayim is for them, the word holiness will come up. Mm. And it's, it's similar, you know, I get, today I do weddings, that's a big part of my work is performing weddings and I have uh, 25 rabbis who are performing weddings, we're doing 400 weddings a year. Wow. And these are weddings that are outside the chief Rabbinate. Um, I'll never forget. Like a couple came to me, and I recognized them from from po- protests in Yerushalayim. The guy is like a, a Meretz activist in Jerusalem. Meretz, far left for people Meretz who Meretz is far left, right? anti-religious. Uh, at least that's the stereotype. And. And I said to him, you? Like what are you doing here? Because- you go to Cyprus. <laughs> well, Cyprus or, you know- Just they're, forget they're, it. it. There are similar projects to ours which are completely secular. Which, right. are, which will do a wedding, a completely secular Israeli wedding without- And he said to me, he said, yeah, but that's my activism. This is my wedding. I want it to be holy. And that's the word he used, kadosh. Mm. Now I don't think that when he said holy, he was thinking the same thing that I think when I say Kadosh, 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 when I say that word three times in Kadusha, but I think he was saying the same thing. he has an intuition that there is that there are things which are which are, um, which are spiritually profound which are present in our life. I think that anybody would agree that the word love, is a holy word, even if they don't have a religious context to frame that. And I think that that would be a, a tremendous step. Would be to would be for Jerusalem to become, to, and I think that it could be because I think people's associations and also experiences in this city touch something which which transcend. Be, because I think this is a city where God touched by God, and 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 you know the the. However, however you understand that there is something present here which
0: can touch people and I feel like that that's a huge gift. There's a powerful expression. I mean first of all I want to hold fast to that expression of a, a renaissance of holiness. Because I think that that's a call to action for people who care about Jerusalem, who care about Torah, who care about, you know, holiness. That that there's work to be done to to give new life to this idea of holiness and to do it in Jerusalem if I understood you correctly because the problem with holiness is that it comes with a lot of baggage, of language, of, of association, of divisions. My holy and not your holy, and I have a lock on holy, and we all know these discourses. But but the power of the city, the gritty reality of Jerusalem, is that you can leave your language aside, or you can keep it for yourself. We're all here together. It's a visceral experience. And so, therefore, um, the gift, if I understood you correctly, that Jerusalem has to offer is, is a place to contact the holy, however it is you may believe that to be but the contact is real it's kind of like when when the reader reads from the torah the words the same words go into all of our ears as soon as we start to think about what we heard the understanding fragments and the it said but that voice was one voice i'd say that's a that's a powerful gift to give and okay so we can't avoid the question in the present and what's the greatest challenge than that the city faces today. Here's Yom Yerushalayim. I mean, we're Jews. We can't have a fully happy day. <laughs> yeah, I think
1: I think a big part of the greatest challenge is is um, penetrating surface um, and superficial dynamics to to touch upon core core elements and core issues. It relates to what I spoke about before in terms of core values. I don't know if you'll remember this, but we. Um, I'm sure you remember the event, but I don't know if you remember this moment. Um, we held an event in Sula Yaakov, um, our our shared yeshiva space, way back when. An event called the Vision Quest. Yeah, sure. And in that event, we had people say what could they what w- what could they not live without? What values could they not live without? Mm-hmm. And put them on the board um, in their vision of Israel. And one person put on the put on the wall Beit Hamikdash Temple. And then we told the group, the whole group, look at what's on the wall. Is there anything there that, if that's part of it, you want nothing to do with it? And there was a woman there, and she said, "Temple, <laughs> if that's part of it, I want nothing to do with it." And then um, you were facilitating together with Matt Mausner, I believe, or no, yeah. with Yonatan Sheffa? No, oh, Yonatan Yonatan I mean. Yeah. So you were you were facilitating, and you and one of you um, said, "Ask the first guy." So what is the Beit Hamikdash to you? And his answer was a place where I, where I can fully realize my potential. Mm. And when he said those words, there was a silence which came in the room, like really a si- like a very profound silence. And then and then the woman in that silence spoke. She said that I could relate to. Mm. And and that was it was a remarkable moment, and it's and it's with me until today um, because. Because what you the gift that, that, that you as facilitators gave was a gift of peeling away the surface and showing how beneath the surface we're really we're really all looking for the same thing. And um, you know, one of the things which is really striking in this city is that um, we cover our buildings with Jerusalem stone. Right. Now we cover our buildings with Jerusalem stone. It used to be that the buildings in Jerusalem were built out of Jerusalem stone. And and so now we don't build out a jules. So we build the concrete, concrete, and, concrete rebar. And, re- and rebar. Yeah. And then we put on this facade of like it's what's a, a, facing, a facing? A <laughs> facing. A facing. We put on a facing, which and aesthetic, aesthetically it's important, and it sure. creates a it creates a sense of unity and a certain municipal aesthetic, and all of that's beautiful. But um, I think it's important that we recognize that we could we could be spending most of our energy on facings mm. when, when, we're, when we're trying to deal with things. And I feel like that's the danger of a city, especially because we have so much so much um, tension and politics and sure uh, we could be pouring all, all of our energy into things which are secondary and not primary. Um, and when we remember that what's primary are human beings and God. and, and that the city was named uh, with the word peace, which Shalom, which comes from Shalem, which comes from whole and the boundaries are there the the ah you're right? the, the Yir'ah that's in the name the fear that's in the name of Yerushalayim is about sure. boundaries um but um but we have to remember that bound that, that that boundaries are in support of a higher value which is which is the value of which is the value of shalom
0: of, shlemut, of something being whole so without the boundaries i can tell you in all my counseling there's no healthy relationship and it's really a question of um, whether setting those boundaries, as you said, becomes a distraction, a superficiality that allows us to divert all our energies because it's easy to focus on in conflict, it's satisfied, et cetera. or whether those boundaries give us a sense of security of self enough to enter into a real relationship, whereby joining together, we might actually discover that we're different than we thought ourselves, much less that others are different than we assume them to be. Yeah. hundred percent. That's a powerful vision. Okay. So to the, to the last section, because I know our time is short. Um, so, um, I, I often think of Jerusalem as a city of of Mikdash Melech, right? Mikdash like the holiness, uh, and such a powerful definition. I don't recall actually that, that interaction, uh, but a definition of a place where there's a fullness of potential, not just for ourselves as individuals, or even for us as a people. It's somehow, in creation, where the, where the heaven and earth meet, and Melech rule. It's a city of government, right? There's a, there's not just a city; there's a country. You know, so what do you see as the next phase for Jerusalem? Right? We, we've been here. And in this case, um, not just Jerusalem, but all of Yudon and of the sort of post 67 conquests of Israel, which some people see as, you know, an expression of, a, of redemption and others as a bone in our throat that they'd love to spit out. I mean, let's just call it what it is. It's a big part of the country. And even if they're not willing to spit it out anymore because they're afraid of the consequences, they don't want to swallow it, <laughs> you know? Um, so what, what do you see as the next phase and the role that Jerusalem could play in that for us as a nation?
1: Hmm. Wow, that's a really wonderful, wonderful question. And, um, I'm not going easy, and on one it that down. I don't have—I don't have a, 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 a clear and present ready answer for. Sure. Which is also why I'm loving it. Um, what, the place which comes up for me to start is um, by comparing comparing the last mayor of Yerushalayim with the current mayor of Yerushalayim. Um, Nir Barkat was the mayor when I was on city council was um was really a champion of a diverse city. Mm-hmm. And very much was elected in order to keep the secular population from leaving. Sure. Which was a big challenge here. Um and his two terms, which add up to ten years, were um were fraught with 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 um sectoral tension between Orthodox and non Orthodox and Palestinians. Um the current mayor, Moseleon, is a Sephardic traditional Jew, not Orthodox, but really connected to Torah, connected to, to synagogue life, connected to tradition. And he was elected because he had the ultra Orthodox vote. <laughs> he struck some good deals, and because Barkat didn't run. Right. But I asked the secular activists who I'm connected to in the city today who is a better mayor for Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Because Moshe Le'on is not
0: interested in making
1: trouble, he's interested in Sheket Tasiati, we call it in Hebrew. I don't know what you call it in English. Um, Uh,
0: Like a a certain fundamental
1: quiet. He just wants things to be quiet. So because of that, it's in his interest to give everybody what they need. And that's what he's focused on. He's focused on giving everybody what they need. So that you could do worse as a mayor that's <laughs> right that's right and and you would think oh the secular residents of Jerusalem have fallen asleep because because everybody knows that more resources are going to the ultra-orthodox but more resources are going to the ultra-Orthodox because they are more politically um, engaged in, well the no they uh, that's not what I was gonna say oh, sorry. They, they have a stronger vote there are more of them yes <laughs> and um, so so really what he's doing is he's giving expression to to a certain electoral reality, but he's also focused on what, what do you really need to be able to live here, and I'm going to give that to you. and he has a certain sense, and somebody told me that he feels the same way towards the Palestinian and East, East Jerusalem, and this is somebody who is an activist in the area of Palestinian rights in East Jerusalem. I asked him, what do you, how is Leon compared to Barkat?" And he said, "You know, he really feels like he's the mayor, so he's everybody's father. He has a certain fatherly care for everyone who is here. Um, now, I think that that's something which King David had. Mm. Um, King David had, how was he able to engage the trust of all the factions, despite the fact that he was from from the tribe of Judah, Judah which I'm sure those who follow your, your podcast are are well-versed, in the uh, tensions
0: between the descendants of Leah and the descendants of Ruth. Well, the truth like, is I started at the book of Daniel, so they'd have to they have to go to uh, my, okay. your 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 podcast. Did you ever put out that stuff in the book of Shmuel? I have 3
1: episodes recorded, but it's uh it's it's unfortunately <laughs> not receiving the attention it needs, but it's but it will come. It will come. It will come at the right time. So really my vision for that podcast series is um is to speak about how David em- emerges as king. And one of the reasons he emerges as king and gets everybody's trust first and foremost, he's completely there for the down and out. Um, and the, those who feel like they're, they're, um, they were dealt a bad hand. Yes. And that's what Leon's doing here in Jerusalem. Those who feel like they were being dealt a bad hand, he's, he's, he's there for them. And it's created a dynamic which I think is uh, rooted in the heart of this city. I think that the original creator of the city of David, um, th- that vision, um, that, was his, that was his strength. Ironically ironically it's it's the non activist that it, that hmm. it's not the mayor who came to to fix things and somebody said so, i went to a, to a lecture of this fellow thomas Hubble um, who, who uh, deals with the healing of collective trauma. Um, I was introduced to it by by our good friend Danny Cohen, um, um, also master of healing and uh, and inner work and Thomas said in this lecture, he said, you know, the problem in this country is because it was too much activism because everybody here is coming with trauma. The roots of the issues here are all traumatic and when you come with strength, when you come with, uh, with, with any kind of push on somebody who's traumatized, they'll always push back, they'll always yeah. feel more threatened and they'll always push back. So so, true. so as an activist, that really that really went straight to my core because I really sensed how true it was and it created real shifts in, in my thinking about my work. Um, and I think we're seeing here something that is that is um really profound um, in terms of in terms of who will success what will successful leaders look like um, as we move into the future. It might be that successful leaders as we move into the future look more like fathers and mothers and um, and caring parents who are who are really most concerned with with providing a, a safe environment for growth because when people feel safe then they're open to be able to be vulnerable and it's when they're vulnerable that they can go that they can be exposed to things that are outside their comfort zone and discover new connections
0: so if if i follow the arc then the next phase is really a healing is that is that recognizing how far we've come and, and the strength that really we have to marshal focusing on giving people what they need you know, in order that they can heal. And I, I want to repeat because I agree with you. First of all, I couldn't agree more with, with Thomas Weibel's analysis that uh, we're a country in which is so driven by trauma, right? But but the, the specific insight that when you come with strength, even passion in a positive sense, and you engage someone who has a deep sense of trauma, almost always the reaction will be sort of equal and opposite, right? Whereas perhaps here, a posture of healing, even from one person, in this case, from the mayor, as you're pointing out, is very strong, not just one person, right, is is the next phase. Phase in which we begin to, to heal by giving each other what we need. That's really beautiful. Last question, because you know the Jewish story gets a very diverse audience. Most of people won't be able to be in Jerusalem and uh, for Jerusalem Day, although give me a call if you're going to be around. Um, the folks here in Israel, and Jews, and, and, and non-Jews, and conservatives, and progressives, and religious, and not, um, what do you want either what would you like people to know or what would you like them to see when they look toward Jerusalem today? So first of all, I would love them to see beauty. I think that um,
1: this city is a beautiful city. And it's beautiful because of its um, its visual aesthetic, but it's beautiful because it's, that visual aesthetic is, is animated, I think, um, with, with something which is very, very soulful. And... Um, and very and very strong and very powerful and very healing when you open yourself up when you open open yourself up to that energy um and it's it's really heartbreaking that 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 when you look to jerusalem in the news media what you see well, well when you look to anything in the news media what it's you ugly. see is is it's ugliness is, is ugly that's right and um and um, it really isn't, it doesn't characterize the day-to-day in this city. Um, even Palestinian-Jewish relationships and, you know, I think there's so much to fix there and I think the Jewish people have so much to fix there. You know, it's not, I'm not one of the people that say the, the, the whole package is on, is, on their, is, on, is on their end. There's a lot of work. The day-to-day in this, in this city between Jews and Arabs is, uh, um, is, is really um, inspiring, it's really inspiring to watch the kinds of interactions that happen between people. And I feel like that's that's what people should see and the grassroots activism and the art that 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 happens here and the amazing um um relationships between religious leaders of different of different religions that happen here and um and the day-to-day interactions of 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 ultra orthodox and secular which you know I, I would I would love people just to see what I see on a Friday morning in Machane Yehuda. You know that, yeah, the market,
0: the beautiful face of the city. I just
1: walk. I just walk. I'll be there, part of it might be the strong cup of coffee. I start my visit there. I feel like I'm I walking recommend on a that cloud. to everyone as well, <laughs> um, because that that definitely gives a heightened awareness. But I feel like I'm like walk. I feel like I must be grinning like an idiot walking through the, the market because because <laughs> that, that's what I feel like. I feel like it just feels it, it feels. Um, so connective and so open hearted and so alive
0: and so vibrant and so Holy. So this is the piece that, uh, I'll draw together for the close here is that there's a special relationship between beauty and holiness in many world cultures, you know, uh, in, in, in our particular culture in, in, in Torah, the most beautiful place that the Torah describes is the Holy of Holies. And it's that inner place plated in gold, which is rarely visited. But but it is also the place where heaven and earth meet. And in that sense, this is the image I hear you asking that people have in mind. This Yom Yomushalayim, and really, every day is that look to see the beautiful because that will help you see the holy. And and, and you should understand that it's the holy that really makes Jerusalem beautiful. So Rabbi Arnold, with men, mentor, friend, teacher, uh, activist, politician, I bless you that um, your service to Jerusalem should not cease. Um, and that the Jewish people and all the people of the world should continue to benefit from it. And I want to thank you for the time that, that you've given me. Amen. And I want to bless us that we should have more opportunities in the future. Well, listen, folks, I want to hear your feedback. We're thinking about bringing back Rabbis Out of the Box as a part of Season 6. Season 6 is coming. Send me your ideas. Who should I speak to? The ideas. Who's got the vision that you want to see amplified? Send me an email, robmikefoyer at gmail.com. You can go to my website, by the way. You want to give a little support. There's not many stories like this happening in the world. If you want to help make it happen, you can click on that button in the upper right hand corner that says Be a Patron, and uh, you can give a little bit of per podcast support. I want to thank also the land of israel network that's the land of they're creating a center for global transcendence in the heart of judea i want to thank the pardes institute I for throwing the doors of the beit midrash open as wide as possible and i want to thank you for listening i'm Rav mike foyer and this is the jewish story